This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Today, we are going behind the highlight reel of award-winning video, social media, and online business strategist, Sunny Leonarduzzi, to talk about the realities of what it takes to turn a startup into a multi-seven-figure business. Now, you might be thinking, wait a second, is Aaron turning this into a business podcast? What is going on here? Isn't this supposed to be about body image and wellness and self-love? And you're absolutely right. But one of the places that we find lights people up in this area the most that triggers these conversations around burnout and negative self-criticism and insecurities, imposter syndrome, is our businesses, our careers, is our work life. And so I'm so excited to have Sunny here to talk to us a little bit about her journey to finding that quote unquote balance <laughs> of being a boss and living the hustle while also not killing herself in the process essentially, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I almost did to be totally honest with you. We can dive into that conversation in a second, but yes. Yeah. We are, we are going to dive into all all of that. Thank you so much for being here today, Sunny. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. And I'm so excited about this conversation. It's really important. Yeah. So before we like dig into the burnouts and all of this stuff, can you tell us a little bit about your business and how you got started and how you found this path that you're on? Yeah. And it's been such a wild ride as I'm sure anyone who does have their own business, or even if you, you know, have a career that you've been really focused on, it is a journey. And I never would have anticipated where I am today because it didn't really even exist when I first started building my own business. So I really wanted to be a journalist. That was my main focus when I was growing up. And ever since I was a little girl, I was like, wow, you can get paid to talk. Like that's what I want to do and help mm -hmm. people and inspire people. And so that's what I went to school for. And I started working working in journalism. And my big goal was to work at the 2010 Winter Olympics. And I did it. But in my head, it felt right. My body, it didn't feel right. So I remember it was like the first time I really had that whole body feeling of, I don't think I'm in the right place. And I don't think this is meant for me for the rest of my life. And so I remember driving home from the Olympics and having this realization that I wanted to start my own business with no background in business, no degree, no business acumen, and no idea what I was doing. But I kind of think that ignorance was bliss for me because it allowed me to just dive in face first, basically, and figure it out as I went. So my first business was an online magazine. It was not the most profitable thing in the entire world, but it was like a boot camp on marketing because I built the entire business by being scrappy and using social media. And at the time, Instagram didn't exist. I was using YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And I built this audience of people who were really into the brand and the content we were sharing. And all of these companies started to take note of what I was doing because it was somewhat new at that time to be using social media for business. Mm. And so I started getting hired by companies and I didn't even really know I was an entrepreneur to be totally honest with you at that time. Like 
I wouldn't have called myself one. I just was like, I get to manage people's social media. This is fun and I get paid for it. And I really became obsessed with it for like four or five years and studied it every single day and tested things and tried different strategies and kind of came up with my own formula of what would really work across platforms. And by word of mouth, my company grew quite a bit. And after about four or five years of doing it, I kind of hit a ceiling with clients and I couldn't take anyone else on. And I was just this one woman show at the time. And so out of pure desperation one day, I decided to answer one of my clients' most frequently asked questions, which at the time was about live streaming and how to use Periscope, which was a live streaming app. Yeah, if anyone remembers. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, instead of going to meetings with all these different clients and and answering this question and taking up my time or getting on a phone call with each of them individually, I'm going to make a video and I'm going to put it on my YouTube channel and I'm just going to send it to them. And at the time, my YouTube channel was like completely dead. I had no subscribers. I had like random old demo reels and vlogs that I had tried to make, but like nothing serious. And I had no strategy. So I post this video. I put zero effort into what I looked like or what the editing looked like or anything. I just wanted to answer the question as efficiently as possible and also save myself some time by not having to go individually into meetings. So send the video to my clients and think nothing of it. And then the next day I woke up and had a couple thousand views and was very confused because (laughs) I had no subscribers. So I was like, how did this happen? And the comment section was crazy because people are like, wow, you're really good at teaching this. I want to hire you, like all this stuff. And I was like, holy crap. So For me, it was this light bulb moment of like, whoa, this is what happens when you put yourself online, when you bring your expertise and your knowledge online, like more people can discover you and see you. And I realized, oh yeah, YouTube's a search engine and lots of people are searching for this information at this time. So they're finding my video and they're discovering me. And I think I had a dozen people reach out to work with me and hire me in that first week. So you can imagine that when I was like, sitting there with my little light bulb moment and I decided, okay, I'm going to do this once a week, make a video a week from my little apartment with my laptop, webcam, and my window for lighting. And I'm just going to answer my client questions about social media and do little tutorials. I was like, I'm going to do this for a week. And so you can imagine if I got 12 requests in that first week from one video, my business basically exploded over that first year of bringing it online. And that was four years ago now. And we generated over six figures in that first year. And I was like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> and the demand was so high to work with me and hire me. And I went from like having 10 clients max to being exposed to millions. We had 3 million viewers that first year around the world. And so, wow. yeah, you can imagine that what that would do. <laughs> So it was just this really intense experience and everything changed. I always say that YouTube changed my life because it genuinely did. And I remember like two months in, I got a message on LinkedIn from the head of social media for NATO. And he was like, I found you on YouTube and I watched a couple of your videos. You're really good at explaining this stuff. We'd like to invite you to speak to our people here at NATO's headquarters in Brussels and the CIA and NASA and the FBI and like Canadian government delegates and all this stuff. So that was my first speaking engagement. And I was like, what the Are heck? you kidding me? No. <laughs> I felt like I was going to throw up. That's the most nervous I've ever been in my life. And my mom the whole time thought I was like getting kidnapped or whatever, but I was like, no, I think it's legit. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I mean, the the journey has been insane. So from there, 
I developed basically an online course because I was like, I can't actually work with all of these people individually. It's just not doable. So I packaged my expertise and the formulas that I had worked on for years and the strategies that I had worked on for years, and I put them into my first online program. And so from there, we were able to really scale because I wasn't trading my time for dollars and I was able to reach a lot more people. And so our whole method and and ethos behind our business now is to elevate your income impact and audience on autopilot, because that's what I've been able to do over the last couple of years. We've gone from no one knowing who I am and zero audience four years ago to having over half a million people around the world subscribed or following me across social platforms, 16 million views on YouTube and generating multiple seven figures in a year in this last year, which is crazy and generating 5 million over the last four years. So, and I literally, as I'm speaking to you right now, like I'm sitting in my house in my slippers (laughs) and and like, it's, I mean, it's so bizarre. It's so unbelievable. It's amazing. It's so insane. It has been a wild ride. Like I always say that entrepreneurship is the best self-awareness practice that you can have because I feel like I've been at this university of me for the last four years, like going through all of this and going through such explosive growth of the business has also been like a big mirror for myself to have to grow up and evolve and mature. And yeah, the lessons are pretty much endless and I'm just really grateful for the journey. And I'm, and I'm grateful for every part of the journey, to be honest, too, because there's been some real high highs and there's been some really challenging moments as well. Yeah. And I want to dig into all of it because I feel like so often on social media and when you're scrolling Facebook and you see these courses come by, it's like everyone's multi seven figure (laughs) and everyone's like speaking to the most insane people and they're doing work from their apartment and drinking their latte. And you're like, wow, that sounds great. Like, did that just happen over the last 365 days? And so what I want to talk to you a little bit about is the reality of what it takes to get there. Because of course, there was an element of grace or whatever you want to call it, timing and everything. But I know like because I've been lucky enough to watch your journey unfold from behind the scenes, how much freaking work it took and how many ups and downs there were along the way. Like this stuff just doesn't happen. (laughs) It doesn't just happen. No, it does not just happen. And I think... The biggest issue I think that is happening right now in entrepreneurship is that it's been glorified so much. And when I first started building my business, I built my first business 10 years ago now, over 10 years ago, and it was such a different landscape. And like, not a lot of people were talking about being your own boss or starting your own business or being an entrepreneur. And it felt very far off. Now it's so accessible and there's so many people who glorify it every single day. And there are really amazing parts about it. Everybody becomes an entrepreneur to achieve freedom. But there is a lot of sacrifice in building your own business as well. And I think like you have to really define what freedom looks like to you. And so for me, for the first couple of years, I wasn't really clear on that. And I also wasn't really clear on what success looked like for me. Cause like there are so many things out there about like build a business from your laptop and like all this kind of stuff and like build, <laughs> build six figures overnight and da 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 da. Like technology and the internet has fast tracked the amount of revenue you can bring in in a business with really low costs. But it doesn't mean it happens overnight. Like the behind the scenes is very real. And I have had to learn so much by making massive mistakes and learning as I went. And so 
that's why I think I'm so passionate and dedicated now to being anti-bullshit and like anti-glorification of what this is. And I don't like wearing busy as a badge. Like I did for mm. a long time and, and it's, it is necessary. I, I always say like, I don't love the word hustle because I think that it is dangerous to be honest, but I understand that hustle is necessary in the beginning of building a business. And it is necessary in certain seasons, regardless of how long yes. the business has been around, but it is not a way of life. And if you want it to be a way of life, it may just kill you. So, mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, I'm seeing it so often with the people that I coach, this burnout that so many people are experiencing. Tell me a little bit about your own experience with that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was, I always say it scared me straight because it did. And it happened at the most interesting time. And I think this is like really the point I want to make with my own burnout was that it didn't happen in the hustle. It actually happened when I took a break. And so that for me was such a lesson in self-awareness and really making space every day to tune into what's going on with myself instead of just taking a vacation and being like, holy shit, look at all the shit that's coming up right now. I'm going to crumble. Um, yes. <laughs> so basically what happened was I had just experienced this like really crazy growth of my business and, and everything was going amazingly well. But to be completely transparent with you, my business started to take off after I'd gone through a really challenging time and it stemmed from, and I know the ladies are going to be like, yes, I hear you on that. It stemmed from a really bad breakup and also <laughs> some pretty significant deaths in my family. And they all happened within like a month of each other. And I also lost my biggest client at the time. And so at this time I wasn't on YouTube, I wasn't doing anything online. And I was like, basically at my rock bottom. And I was like, what am I going to do here? So I basically went balls to the wall in my business. And I was like, I am going to be successful at this no matter what. I have no choice, which I do think is necessary. So I went crazy that year in a good way because I built this really successful business. But I remember having this pivotal moment of I got nominated for 30 under 30 for BC business and I was at the party and my family was there and I went went home that night and I was so like sad and isolated and no one would have known that but I was like I've gotten the things I wanted I achieved the things I wanted to do in my business I've made the money I have the so-called freedom but I'm sad and then I just kind of kept working my way out of it like as in getting my head down and making the business more and more successful and appearing more and more successful and in that hustle I totally lost touch with my emotions how I felt all of the trauma that I had been through in the past with that relationship with those deaths with the things that had happened and that summer I took a two-week vacation and I was on the second week of it and it was a Wednesday night and I was sitting in my apartment and my boyfriend, who's now still my boyfriend, but we were at the time just starting to date, we weren't living together. And I remember I talked to him before bed and I was like, okay, I love you. Good night. Everything was fine. And if anybody had asked me in that moment, how are you doing right now? I would have been like, I feel great. I'm super relaxed. You know, I've taken the last week and a half off. I feel awesome. And then I tried to go to sleep. And I'm a really good sleeper. So my first kind of clue that something wasn't right was that I could not sleep. My brain basically just went into overdrive and I was all of a sudden thinking about everything. And I couldn't relax and I basically just spiraled. My heart started pounding. I looked at myself in the mirror. I was white as a ghost. My hands were super clammy and it was really scary. And that went on for about two and a half hours before I called 
my mom because everyone else's phones were on silent because it was now like three o'clock in the morning. And God bless moms. I don't even know how to do. <laughs> no. I called her. And, honestly. Honestly. I was like, how do you, why? Why is your phone on right now? They just know. They just know. <laughs> and so I phoned her and I'm like, hey, I think I'm having like an anxiety attack or something. And I'd never had one in my life. I'd never dealt with anxiety. I'd never dealt with burnout before. Yeah. She's like, you don't really sound like yourself. She's like, I'm just going to come over there. So she drove over like 20 minutes to my apartment, comes upstairs. And I honestly thought she'd walk in and be like, okay, lie down. Let's talk it through. You're going to be fine. But I will never forget. She walked in and she saw me and I could see on her face that she was really scared. And she was like, something's really wrong here. And so she ended up calling the ambulance. The ambulance came in again. I'm like, the ambulance is going to come. They're going to be like, you're having a panic attack. Do X, Y, and Z. Go back to bed. You're good. And they walked in, the paramedics walked in and they were like taking my vitals and basically looked at me, gave me two baby aspirin. And they're like, you're having the signs of a stroke. Oh my God. So they got me to the hospital. They rushed me in did all of the tests and the scans. And they were like, obviously you're not having a stroke, which is great, but you were having all of the signs of it. And it was a very severe anxiety attack. So it was terrifying. It was the scariest thing I think I've ever felt in my body in my life. And it really did scare me straight. And it set me on a path of doing a lot of work to figure out how that could have happened because I really felt like I was a very in tune person and I did all of the things that you're supposed to do. And a friend of mine was like, you were doing a really great job of high level coping, which is basically like high level coping for me is like, I was having my smoothie every day. I was going to the gym every day. I was, you know, on top of my work every day. I was seeing my family. I was making dates with my friends. I was doing all of the things that a healthy person would do. But that's all surface level stuff if you're not actually dealing with the shit that's going on beneath the surface. And I really, really wasn't because I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm successful. I'm looking at my business grow and look how successful I am. And, da, 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 da. and like, that's not the be all end all. And I knew that intellectually. So I never thought that that could happen. And so I just started doing a lot of work. I went, started going to therapy regularly. I started just having really like honest, tough conversations, started facing a lot of the stuff that happened to me and like dealing with the fact that it was still affecting me. I and mean, I was still going through a process with it because I'd like to think I'm a pretty tough cookie. And I didn't really think like, oh, you can be vulnerable and tough at the same time. And I did the work. I started meditating regularly. I started doing everything. Like I've done a lot of like sound baths and all that kind of stuff. Like I've tried all of the things I feel like at this point. And now I've found a rhythm of what works for me. And the other thing for me too, that really made a big difference was I just prioritized doing nothing. And I had never done that in my life because I had a deep rooted thought process. And I still don't really know where it comes from, but I had a really deep rooted thought process that in order for me to be worthy, I had to be busy and I had to be accomplishing things. And that's so far from the truth. I feel like that's just a message that we receive all the time. And I feel like so often keeping busy keeps us busy enough that we don't have to feel our feelings, yeah. that we don't have to address those difficult <laughs> emotions that are coming up or the things that we really need to cope with. And, and often as well, when we feel busy, we're checking things off the to-do list. We're getting that dopamine kick that we so desire that lifts us up a little bit. But exactly as you said, we're not dealing with all that like lava bubbling under the rock. And eventually 
it explodes, right? It does. And that's exactly what happened. And I now can look back on it and I'm very grateful it happened because it would have happened eventually. And I just think that's really important to understand too, is I don't think you can run from yourself and you can't run from the things that are bothering you or that are happening below the surface, they are going to appear. For me, it was in burnout. For you, it could be, you know, in in any manifestation. It could be in like anger or you break up with someone for no reason or you're fighting with your family, whatever it looks like. Like it could be a million things. And and for me, it just was this like mass burnout. And I used to think that like the word workaholic was like kind of a joke. And I'm now seeing it more and more because I've worked with 6,000 people around the world at this point. We have 6,000 clients and I see it every single day. It's not a joke. Like people destroy their lives because they don't want to deal with the real stuff. So they just focus solely on their business and they put their blinders on to the things that actually matter. And if you do that long Mm. enough, those things are going to go away. And then it's just you and your work. And I think for me, I was like, at the end of my life, I'm not going to have my laptop sitting beside me and being like, good job. I'm going to have my my family and my my boyfriend and the people that I care about most. And that has to come first. And I have to come first before anything else. Because if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of anything else. It's so important. It's such an important message. And I love how you hit the nail on the head with the term workaholic. So often we focus on our addictions to alcohol or food or drugs, but people can absolutely be addicted to their work, right? To the busy, to the hustle. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend 
friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code rawbeautytalks at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code rawbeautytalks. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. I'm going to push pause for one quick second in case you happen to miss it that last week we launched the Raw Beauty Co. shop just in time for the holidays. It's filled with beautiful items designed to support you in showing up as your best self. Now, let me be clear. You do not need any of this stuff in order to love yourself. I've just found them comforting and supportive on my own journey, so I really wanted a space to share them with you. One of my favorite items that we have right now is our blush pink weighted blanket. It's a super soft velvet fabric, and it's really helped me get a more settled sleep. Weighted blankets use pressure therapy or a calm-inducing amount of pressure to support anyone with anxiety or restless leg syndrome or sleep disorders. It honestly feels like you're being hugged all night, but like not by a super sweaty body, you know? You can head on over to rawbeauty.co backslash shop to learn all about my favorite weighted blanket. It comes with a removable cover that you can easily wash and it is available in three gorgeous colors. I've also shared my favorite David's Tea Blends, the best planners and notebooks to help you get organized for 2020, and a selection of essential oil blends that I use to make my home a sanctuary. Head to rawbeauty.co backslash shop. Now, let's get back to the show. I'm curious to know, do you think now in the position that you're in right now, as somebody who did hustle for a couple of years, like that's where you built the meat of your business, can you be successful while still taking care of yourself? Yes. (laughs) And I think you can be more successful because of it. Because I think one of my big realizations was that I do have a lot of energy and I can just keep working because I love what I do. And I think that that's behind this too. It's not all like these negative motivations of why I was working so hard, but I genuinely love what I do. And I love seeing the impact that I'm able to make on people's lives. And I've helped a lot of people like become their own boss and build their own businesses and have this amazing reach all around the world and have their own audiences and do these crazy, crazy things. So I'm so grateful for that. But I had to keep in check like those negative motivators. So I absolutely think that you can build a really successful business or be successful in anything that you do. And you're going to be more successful because if you burn yourself out, I was actually talking about this just the other day, but that burnout happened, I think it's been two years now. And I feel like I'm just recovering fully. So if you push yourself to that point, if you never give yourself a break, if you never take care of yourself in a really meaningful way, not just on a surface level, and you're not being proactive about your your well-being, and you hit a wall, the recovery process is going to set you back, in my case, like a long time. And you can't ever work that hard again because you've already hit your limit. So I'm not sure if that makes sense, but like, that's how I think of it. now. I'm like, I'm like, you need to have the break 
and you need to take space for yourself and you need to create stillness in your schedule and in your life. And you need to walk away from your work in order to be better at your work. Because every time that you take a breather and gain that perspective, even just going for a walk or like going to a dance class, whatever it is that fuels your well-being, you always come back better. But if you just like, if you just work straight through, you're going to become exhausted. And then that's when mistakes happen. And that's when like things blow up. And actually a really good example of it that I just read about was American Apparel and the founder of American Apparel, who basically because he stopped taking care of himself and he had no boundaries, blew up his own business. Mm. So I think like if, if there's a real world example, I can give you, that's a really good one. I'm kind of glad that business is gone. (laughs) I mean, I feel awful for him, but I mean, at least I'm marketing. I'm kind of glad it's gone. No, but in all honesty, there's so much truth to what you said. It's a marathon, not a sprint, especially when it comes to your health. And I would completely agree in my own burnout. I'm a year and a half out and I'm definitely not back to my best self. It takes forever and so much work to get back. I think though that for anybody who's listening right now who is in that burnout stage, it will also be the biggest gift you can ever receive because I think anybody who's gone through it knows how scary and terrifying it is and how hard it is to come out of it that you will never let that happen to yourself again. So that's the silver lining, I guess. It is the silver lining. And like (laughs) the only other thing I would say on top of that too, is like, if you're not at a burnout state, but like maybe you have these moments of feeling really exhausted because there's being tired, but then burnout is like a whole other beast. And I had little warning signs far before I experienced this like crazy burnout. And it physically manifested for me in things like my eyes would start burning like for days. I would have like this burning eye sensation. I also remember I was in the middle of a really big launch and my whole body broke out in like these, it wasn't even hives. I don't even know what it was, but it was like red splotches everywhere. And Mm, I was like, oh my God, like what's happening? And I ignored it. I was like, whatever, it's going to go away. And it went away and then just kept ignoring those things. So I think if you have anything that comes up where you're like, huh, that's a little strange, or I feel really tired today, or hey, I'm like extra irritable right now, there may be something behind that. There may not, but it probably would be a good time to just like self-reflect, journal, talk to somebody, take a breather, have a nap, do whatever you got to do to like give yourself a little break. Yeah. I think some of the most common signs I see before somebody heads into that stage of burnout is either feeling incredibly unmotivated about something that perhaps they were motivated about before, not being able to sleep, not getting excited about the same things that they used to. For me, I got every single cold you could possibly get. It was like my immune system was done. I got shingles. Nope. Just ignored that. Like most people get shingles when they're like 70. Oh my God. And notice if there's stuff showing up on your skin, notice if your hair or your nails or that type of thing is starting to change a little bit. Because as you said, so often right before burnout, it can feel like you're accomplishing so much. It can feel like you're on top of the world in so many ways. So it's sneaky. It's super sneaky. It's sneaky. I wonder if it really is sneaky. Like, because when I look back, I'm like, it wasn't so sneaky. I just was numb and I just chose to not pay attention. But so many people are numb. So it's hard to recognize. I mean, I think that's the thing is that we're so disconnected from our bodies these days that you have to almost put the magnifying glass up because we're so disconnected unless, I mean, and even for somebody like you, who's high functioning and doing the exercise and probably thought that they were connected to your body, there's just always 
so much more depth that we can go into and and ways that we can improve that. On that note, I just want to say something because it actually changed my life and it's so simple. But I remember one of the first times I went to therapy after all of this happened and my therapist was like, so tell me about your daily routine. (laughs) I have to laugh about it now because it's so funny to me. But I was like, okay, so I wake up, I have my lemon water, I drink my lemon water and then I go straight to the gym and then I do my weights and I do my cardio and I do X, Y, and Z. And she was like, and you do this every day. And I was like, yes, I do this every day. And she was like, does it ever occur to you to not do that every day? And I was like, no. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, absolutely not. And she was like, what if, what if you woke up tomorrow and you didn't have a plan? And I was like, holy shit, what? (laughs) I literally had never in my entire life. It was like an epiphany. I was like, oh, yeah. And she was like, what if you just woke up and like felt what you wanted to do? Maybe you didn't want to go lift weights. Maybe you wanted to go do a yoga class. And I'm telling you that one little conversation was a life changer for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my body knows what it wants. And I've basically been in robot mode for the last, I don't even know how many years of just doing the same thing every single day. We get so used to it, especially as women growing up in this culture that we're in of tapping out from our body, of disconnecting from those signals in order to show up to do the workouts, in order to stick to the diet, in order to fit in that next size of jeans. So we're constantly disconnecting from what our body's asking for in order to tell it what we need it to do in order to look a certain way or quote unquote, be healthy. And in fact, exactly what you're saying is the truth. We have to learn to listen to our body and there's so much freedom and health to be found in living from that place. I'm curious to know, you mentioned that you found a bit of a rhythm of what works for you. Can you speak at all to what that looks like for you today? I create a lot of like space in my calendar and I actually made a whole video about like how I plan my week and how I plan my day because I used to be like so militant about it and every day would kind of look the same as far as what I was going to do like on a personal self-care level and I really would just go on robot mode. But now I've read so many things, I've talked to so many people and one of the biggest revelations I've had actually came from Kate Northrup and she has a book called Do Less and it was just recently that I spoke to her but I read the book and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing and why is not everybody talking about this and why aren't all women doing this? And basically it's like living your life by your cycle because if you look at your cycle, it really is set up to like make you a productivity ninja and also like set up so that you know when to rest because your body actually has two weeks out of the month where it really just sort of needs to chill the F out and you're not going to feel as extroverted and you're not going to feel like you want to do X, Y, and Z. Like, so for me, I actually started planning my life according to my cycle, which sounds kind of woo-woo and hippy-dippy, but it has changed the game. And so when I have my weeks when, I, when I'm like more introverted and I'm feeling a little foggy, I don't plan a shoot for content. I don't plan big events that I have to go to. I'll say no. I don't plan like nights out. I don't plan things that are going to exhaust me further. I do things that are going to replenish me and allow me to rest. And so that's been a big part for me then. But then just on like a weekly basis, I really do look at my calendar every week and I'm like, okay, let's make this as spacious as possible so that I have a lot of time to myself and to create a lot of stillness. And the things that I stick to and that have created a lot of freedom for me, and I do think routine can 
be a vehicle for creating a lot of freedom because it takes decision making out of the process. So yes. The, yeah. the things that I do love to do every single day is I started doing TM meditation last spring and it's just been an amazing tool for me. And so every morning when I wake up, that's a non-negotiable for me. It's the first thing that I do to sort of get really still. And then I, I kind of have like a morning menu and I learned this from a friend of mine where I always do my meditation. That's a, a non-negotiable, but then I have things like, you know, doing my affirmations or writing in my gratitude journal reaching out to friends that I haven't talked to in a little while. And I'll kind of pick one of those things and then going to the gym. I'll pick that if I want to do that that day because I, I will work out every day. I'll break a sweat every day because it makes me feel better. But I if I don't feel like doing it in the morning or I don't feel like pushing myself to the limit, then I won't do it that day. And I'll do a yoga class or I'll go to a dance class, which I love to do. And I think I just like have gotten to a place where I've gotten really in tune with what makes me happy and what makes me feel my best. And those are the things that I prioritize in my life and my business. So I've just simplified a lot and that's allowed me to create this rhythm and this freedom in having routines, but also having space and flexibility because I know what I need to be doing, what I need to be doing. And I also know what's important to me and what's super unimportant to me. So I no longer have the feeling where like I have to jam pack my schedule. Literally, if I see a day where it's jam-packed, I get anxiety and I, yeah. I feel stressed about it. I'm like, no, don't want to do that. So I just cancel shit. <laughs> I cancel shit all the time. And I've gotten a lot better at saying no up front to things because I learned this recently and it's such a good way to think about it because I find that particularly for women, we have a hard time saying no sometimes. And I definitely do. And like, I am definitely a bit of a, a people pleaser and I've had to learn how to like squash that slightly in the last couple of years, because at the end of the day, people will always take if you give them what they want. So I basically have just learned like, if I don't want to do something tomorrow, I'm not going to want to do it in three months from now. So like, don't say yes to it just because it's farther away. Say no if you want to say no and always pretend every opportunity, every invite that comes up is going to be tomorrow or tonight. If you wouldn't want to go tomorrow or tonight, you probably will not want to go. Mm, I love that. Do you have any tips in regards to keeping space in your schedule or like actually saying no? Like, how do you actually say no to somebody? I love asking people this to get, <laughs> to get like tangible tools and tactics that people who are listening can use because it can feel so hard. And obviously you've got so many things going on. And I know there's people listening right now who are like, I just can't make space in my schedule anymore. You know, like I've got to get the yeah. kids here and then I go into the office and then I pick them up and the, and the whole list of things starts flowing. So you're busy. How do you create that space? I think it's getting really clear on what matters. And so in my business, I have four things that I do every single day and I focus on every single day and anything outside of that is like an opportunity that I can say yes or no to. So in my business, I'm focused on generating traffic making my product the best on the market and getting incredible feedback and testimonials and making sure that we are keeping everything lean financially. So I think once I really got clear on those things, one, our business exploded in a good way because I was like, oh, these are the only things I need to be doing to like really push the machine forward. We like posting to Instagram every single day. Like that's not my jam and that's not necessary. And so I guess like really finding what mattered to me in my business made it super clear. So prime example actually of how I would say no or how I did just say no yesterday was a woman reached out to me on Instagram via direct message. And she was like, you know what? I think you really have an opportunity in the Spanish speaking community. And she's like, pretty influential in the business space in Mexico. And she was like, I, you know, I want to take your programs. This is that we went back and forth for a minute. And then 
she was like, can I, can I bring you on a live stream on Instagram? And I was like, no, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say no to that. I keep my focus on my clients first and foremost and my product. So anything outside of that, I, I generally say no to. And she was like, I totally understand. Thank you so much. Perfect. When it comes to my personal life, I've gotten really good at being like, I actually don't even have time really to see my family and friends. And when I do have free time in my calendar, they're my first priority. So unfortunately, a coffee date is not going to work for me. Yes. Perfect. And everyone understands. I think we imagine that they're just going to think we're the most awful person in the world. And often I find, especially when it's with friends or acquaintances, and I've had a number of times where you have to like cancel the dinner or last minute, you can't come over. Oftentimes people are relieved to have a little space themselves. (laughs) (laughs) That happens all the time. I'm like, yeah, everybody is craving space. And I think you really have to know what works for you. And that will be the best gauge of creating your own boundaries and figuring out what you want to say yes or no to. And truly for me too, and this is something that like when I have kids, this will be something I teach them from day one is what does a no feel like in your body? And what does a yes feel like in your body? Because I know And I can feel it when something is a whole body yes and when something is a whole body no. And that's the only time I'm going to say yes is if it's an absolute 100% in my bones, I can feel that it's a yes for me. Mm, So teach us, teach, teach everyone who's listening right now, what's a whole body yes feel like? Okay. So, well, it feels different for everybody. And this was actually, again, Kate Northrup, if you haven't read her book, Do Less. And I have a podcast episode with her on my podcast, which is really great. And we talk about a lot of this and she taught me this. And she was like, get someone to ask you questions that are an automatic huge no for you. So like prime example, just a little one for me is like, do you like green peppers? I hate green peppers. (laughs) (laughs) I can actually feel my body sort of contract and get smaller And when you ask me, do you love milk chocolate? My whole body feels like expansive and open and I feel lifted and lighter. And so practicing it every single day, and I'm definitely not perfect at it. And I've said yes to things that I kind of want to say no to, but I'm getting better and better at it every day. And I think like, what a simple thing. Why does nobody teach us? Oh, if you don't want to do that thing, your body probably knows and it's telling you, but you're just overriding it because your brain is leading. And I think if we all led from a place of like our heart and our body, we'd probably make much better decisions. Oh, it goes right back. Listen to your body. Listen to your body. Tune in. I love that. That's such a beautiful tool that people can take with them. I want to talk a little bit about your journey to stepping into your strength because I feel like you're so well-spoken. You're so comfortable in front of the camera. We'll link to a few of your videos in the show notes. Was that something that you were always really good at? Because I think so often when we see somebody who's successful, Successful, we assume that they were just always good at this, that it all just came so naturally to them. I mean, I definitely would say that I've always felt very comfortable and at home on stage and in front of a camera. It feels like home for me, but that doesn't mean I've always been good at it. And I do think that the expert was once a beginner. I think that applies to everything in life. And I mean, by the time I was on YouTube, I had hosted a TV show. I had been a journalist. I had been on a live morning show for a year, being everything from traffic to weather to like technology reporter. I had cut my teeth and I had done a lot of work. And I did a lot of like crap work because I needed to know how to get better. And so I definitely have not always been amazing at it. But what what I will say is that Oh, my first speaking engagement, I was awful. But I think the thing for me was that 
the moment I realized that it wasn't about me and that the only thing I care about is actually getting my message across and impacting the one person who's watching my piece of content or listening to this podcast or watching me speak on stage, if I can impact one person in the room, that's all that matters. So what do they value? What did the, what does the audience want to get out of it? That's what I care about. And the moment I take my own ego out of it and I stop worrying about what I sound like or look like or saying the right thing, I become a much better speaker, content creator, all of these things, because then you're just adding value and you're focused on the impact of it. So I think that's really where it comes from. I think it comes from just hours and hours and hours of like doing this and practicing and you can't be good at something that you've never done. So I think that's, that's my big thing with it. It's just a lot of like time and energy and effort practicing. I love that. Something that just really stood out to me is the fact that you acknowledge that at some level that you do have a bit of a gift in regards to your comfort levels on the camera, your ability to communicate an idea, but you've honed in and practiced using that over years and years and years. So many women are stuck in a place right now where they're like, I don't know what I'm passionate about, or I don't know what I'm good at, or I don't know where I should be focused and I'm in this job and it's okay and it pays the bills, but like, I don't know if this is the be all end all. And so just listening to Sunny's story, something that pops into mind for me is to really zoom in and acknowledge your own individual gifts and then to practice using them. Not to assume that right off the bat, that's going to end up with like the multi seven figure business, but to start doing that one video or writing that one blog post or taking on that one accounting client, whatever it is that's your jam to start practicing that and being okay with having some bumps and bruises along the way. I think like I say this inside of our program, our authority accelerator program, because that's really like our business in a box program where from start to finish, we're kind of teaching you everything about building an online business. And I say right off the bat, I'm like, you have to come at this with the headspace of being a scientist and collecting data. And you can't collect data if you don't put your work out into the world, even if it's not perfect. And nothing I did in the beginning was perfect. And to this day, nothing I do is perfect, but it's out there. So it's actually impacting people and it's being seen by the right people. And it's allowing me to do what I want to do in this world but it's not perfect. And I think that's the big thing is like, I look at everything I do and we teach our clients this, everything you do is a prototype. And if you look at someone like, like Steve Jobs, or you look at, you know, the iPhone, it started as a prototype and every year they make it a little better. And every year they get people to buy the new version because it's constantly being upgraded and it's constantly being worked on to be the best in its market. And that's how I treat everything in my life. I'm like, the first run of this probably is going to suck. Mm. <laughs> like on some levels, it's not going to be the best because until I get people in the door, until I get people using it, until I get real world feedback, I don't know what works and what doesn't. Because in my head, intellectually, what works may not resonate with people in the real world. Right. It takes some of the pressure off thinking about that. It's not like it has to be some overnight success. You're trying something, you're measuring, you're trying again. Have you ever had something in your business that you put a lot of time towards and it failed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I thought you were thinking and you were going to be like, you know what? No. And I was like, well, that's a first. <laughs> that would just be bullshit. If anybody says that, they're lying. <laughs> no, I, I mean, my very first course, we got people in the door, but it was not 
the best. It wasn't a complete failure. I was really proud of myself for making it, but it was definitely not like the success that I wanted it to be. I mean, I've hired people that have turned out to be like, quite honestly, a disaster and like Godspeed and good luck to everyone. Love you all, but like <laughs> free up their future. <laughs> God bless. But like, I think if you're not failing, you're just not moving fast enough and you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> I just think like failure is inevitable. And even recently, we we have our Authority Accelerator program and our clients are getting amazing results. But like our first webinar, about 50 things went wrong live on the webinar and after the webinar where people weren't able to apply and like the links were messed up and all this stuff. And I remember just being like, oh my God. But <laughs> my mentality was we can only get better. And that's how I think about everything. I'm like, it can only go up from here. And thank God we did this because if we didn't do this, we wouldn't have known that that wasn't going to work because we had prepared everything perfectly. But there were just some little minute details where we're like, oh crap, that didn't work. Or like this thing was off, et cetera. So I just think like until you do it, you just don't know. And if you do anything in life, you're risking failure. But at least you're doing something. I would rather be the person doing the things than the person critiquing the person doing the things. Yeah. Or the person stuck watching on the sidelines while everyone else cried. I mean, this is just it. You've got to be somewhat open to failing. Actually, screw that. You've got to be open to failing and falling flat on your face if you really want to big live a big life. Yeah. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Oh my God. We've had so many quote unquote failures over here. But my husband always says, and I totally agree, there are no failures. There is only learning. Yes. A hundred percent. And one of my favorite quotes of all time, I was actually going get, to get it tattooed on me at one point, is think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is a stepping stone on the way to greatness. And I really believe that with every bone in my body. I think that every failure, there's a gift in it. Mm, so, so beautiful. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. I feel like you've had so many gems that you've shared with the audience. I can't wait for people to listen to this. If you had to leave everyone with one message, one message to women of the world, what would you tell them? Tune in with yourself as much as you can, respect your body, and take care of yourself first. Because if you don't, you can't take care of anyone or anything else. I love that. Sunny, where can people find you if they want to follow along? And as I said, we'll make sure that we link to some of our favorite videos and everything down below as well. Yeah. So you can go to my website, sunnylinnardoozy.com. And I also have a podcast. So if you're listening on any podcast player right now, you can go to The Sunny Show and subscribe there. And there's lots of great episodes over there as well about business and, and all of the things. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. Her podcast is unreal. Again, it's so practical. You get so many tips and so much great feedback. So head on over. We'll pull our favorites from that as well in the show notes so that it's easy for you to find. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If there was anything in this episode that you felt like was helpful or that made you think of someone else in your life, please take a screenshot, send it over to them and help us share Sunny's wisdom. As always, though, remember your life is really, truly different than any other life out there. So everything that you hear today, take it with a grain of salt, really notice what resonates with you. What do you have a whole body yes to? What do you have a whole body no to? <laughs> and take that with you. I can't wait to see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, 
pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.